as we come to this time in our worship service where we open up the ancient word of God. It is important that we always remember this isn't just a, a fun time. This isn't just a, uh, I want to say willy-nilly. You all probably don't even know what willy-nilly means. You know, just kind of one of those lackadaisical, you know, type of things. But it is a, a, a serious time. Though I try to sometimes liken it. You know, it, it's for reasons. Uh, and, and so I hope you will continue to think through our time uh, this morning. I'm going to try to set something up and then leave it, but I'm going to begin. I want to ask this as we begin this morning. What is the best way to communicate? Have you ever thought of that question? What is the best way for someone to communicate? You know, we all probably have preferences. Um, you know, the answer probably is it depends on, on what you're trying to communicate. You know, um, anybody in leadership, we have to ask this question quite often. And to some extent, it also depends on uh, the person. You know, uh, so I'm going to pick on David. Sorry, you're the only teenager besides my niece and nephew. Uh, but I'm going to be nice to them during service. So you're it. All right? Uh, I can almost guarantee the best way to communicate with Caden is different than with Carol. You know, you probably, do, do you even look at your email? Do you know what email is? Okay. No, you, you all laugh that I don't even ask that question, right? I realize email has been around, but the younger the person is, the less they care about email. It's there. I mean, don't send them anything important via email because they're not going to look at you. See, he's proven all the other smart people right. You know, it's all right. I, I like the fact that I can see your head out of front of my eye. But, yeah, you know, if I want you to know something quickly and important, what should I do? Text you. All right? If I call him, he's probably going to be like, Silence, go to voicemail. I might pick up my voicemail, right? Do you pick up voicemail? Every once in a while? Okay. Carol's looking at him like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you see how this goes? What's the best way to communicate? Well, it depends on what you're trying to communicate. Some of you love text messaging. I, I'm one of those. You know? Uh, but then others of you, I gotta call you or come over to help, right there? Yeah, sure. All right. There it is, have a cell phone for those of you who uh, may wonder. You know, and so you can't. But but it also depends. I know that for some people, I can text you something and I may not to expect a response back. I'm going to assume you've got it. All right. Others of you, um, you know, I will text and that's how I get a hold of you on things. Communication is important. But I think we also need to realize, so one, we need to be aware of how we communicate. Are we communicating in such a way that those we want to hear what we have to say 
are actually gained. It would do me no good to send Caden an email every single day because he's not going to pick it up. I could be telling him the best things and he won't see it. I could be telling him the worst things and he won't see it. But I could text him every day and he would notice. And there are other ways that I can communicate with him and others. And so we must always keep in mind, what are we trying to do? And are we communicating in a way that people actually receive it? Or not? But as important as that may be, we must also remember that just giving information or communication does not always lead to transformation. Just because someone knows a lot about something doesn't mean their life has been changed or transformed. It just means they know a lot. And that can be good. We ought to seek maturity and in information. But we can't just let our communication, especially as we come to the Word of God, to this foundation of all of life, we can't just communicate and hope it sticks and just give information, information, information. I know a lot about a lot of things. And I can try to teach you all those things. In fact, I could, if I wanted to this morning, and I won't, I, I could uh, tell you a whole lot about the Greek version of Galatians that is before us this morning, and I'll share some of it, but you probably don't care about most of it. I can give you that information. But if it's just information, you'll go, okay, that's great. If I'm ever on Jeopardy and I need to know... I'll bring it back out, I hope. It doesn't matter to some extent if all you get is more head knowledge of Scripture. You're missing the point of Scripture. Information doesn't always lead to transformation. But sometimes we go the opposite way. We, we see people who question things. And we'll say a couple things about it. Well, just have faith. Just believe. Just keep believing. And that may work for some people. But we're missing the point that questions are important because they allow us to grow deeper and they allow information to start to transform. If, if every time someone asks me a question, I just say, well, just have faith. Just believe. Just believe. And I never respond. What am I communicating? And, you know, yes, I believe faith is important. I believe there are times when the answer is we must continue to have faith. But I better be able to also engage their question. That doesn't mean I give them an answer. Or maybe not one they like. But we sit with this. So we can dismiss their concerns as petty and unimportant. Or we can just tell them, have faith. And I believe both will be the person lacking. What we need to do is engage it. Grapple with their faith and their question. And what is going on? There are, from some, in the conservative Christian movement, a, a time of questioning going on. And that can be fearful for those of us who have been in the faith for a long time. We can get scared of that, so we either want to stamp it down and knock it out. Or we try to just say, well, if they only knew more, they would get it. And if you're in that place where you're like, I'm not sure anymore, 
what I want to tell you is I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to engage. I'm willing to sit there and go, you know what? I don't know, but here's what I think Jesus would say to us. Your questions aren't the end of things. They can be the beginning of things. I love the prayer of the one man when asked Jesus to heal. He kind of said it in his mind, uh, kind of JS version. You know, he goes to Jesus, if you can heal. Jesus says, yeah. And the guy says, uh, I do believe, but help me in my unbelief. I love that prayer. I love that prayer. I believe, but I also doubt, so help me in my doubts. Jesus was willing to handle the questions. In fact, time and time again, it was the questions of life that lead us to some of the greatest proclamations of who Jesus is. Some of the greatest doubts led us to the greatest truths of Jesus. And so we, as the church, need to be comfortable with those who question. And encourage the questions. Encourage. Hey, you're thinking through what it has. And this brings us to our text, believe it or not, in some really weird kind of way, where we read uh, these words, this is my version, I'm completely astonished, Paul says to the Galatian church, that you have deserted and turned your back on the one who has called you into the grace of Christ Jesus our Lord, or another gospel, which is not really another gospel at all, only that some who are agitating you to confusion would like to change and distort the gospel of Christ. But even if myself or angels in heaven proclaim a different gospel to you than that which was proclaimed, they are to be cursed by God. As I have said before and now say again to you, if anyone proclaims a gospel contrary to what you have received from me, they are to be cursed by God. Questions had come up in the early Galatian church. Questions that were of true significance. The question is, what is the gospel of Jesus? What is this gospel message of the early church? And how does it apply to you and I today? Well, I want to start here, and I'll come back to it, I guarantee you, but I want, we need to remind ourselves of this. The gospel is about transformation. It isn't just about information. I think I've said it before, one of the scariest verses in all of Scripture for me is in Matthew, where on the last days Jesus says, some will say, Lord, Lord. And he will say, get away from me, I never knew you. And they'll say, but I prophesied in your name, I healed in your name. They knew the Lord, but the Lord will say, I didn't know them. They had all the right information but life wasn't different for them. There was no transformation. Now, I realize lots of us like instant transformation. The gospel doesn't. Paul says in Corinthians, for if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And there is, when you respond to the information of the gospel, there is an immediate transformation that happens. But the gospel isn't just about a one-time transformation. It is a process of transforming us greater and greater into who 
Christ is and who we are in Christ. So I really could ask you this morning, and I guess I will, because I can, are you being transformed still? Or is the day you came to know Jesus that one time instant transformation, has that been it? Some of you have been Christians longer than I've been alive. Some of you have been a part of the faith. You don't know anything different. Is the Lord still transforming you? Is the Lord still changing you? Because if not, I think we have to wonder whether we have hardened our hearts to the gospel that is necessary even yet today, not just for those who don't know Jesus, but for those of us who do know Jesus. See, because Paul was concerned. These people had made a profession of faith, so to speak. They had responded to the gospel. They had said, yes, we believe, but he said, I'm completely astonished that that work hasn't started again and again. He says it elsewhere in Philippians. He who began the work in you will carry it out until completion on the day he comes back. Is Christ still working out? Have you stopped that from going? Let me remind us of the gospel this morning. As Paul reminded the Galatians, as he is going to fight over and over about these agitators, these confusers, these people who distort things. And I will, we will spend some time, <clears throat> weeks to come on what they may look like. But we have people who are agitated of the gospel, who are throwing the gospel into confusion. Some of them are good people with good ideas. But we need to be reminded of the gospel. The gospel is first and foremost God calls. He says, I'm completely astonished that you deserted he, and that's always used of God, the God who called you. See, if you start to think the gospel has anything of a starting point, if you think the gospel has about you sought God, you've already started off wrong. God calls. He's communicating to you. On our own, we will never seek the Lord. But he's always communicating. How so? Look up, look out. You know? Have you noticed the stars lately? Have you noticed we've had some pretty clear nights lately? You know? You can see the big difference. I think it's the big, maybe the little, one of the two. Alright? You can see it. It's a beautiful thing. God is communicating. He's calling out to you and to me. He's calling out, have you ever had someone do something nice to you? Period? I mean, David, have, has your brothers, even one of them, ever been like nice to you at least once in their life? Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? Have they been nice this week? Probably not, but you're not certain, so they at least haven't been awful to you this week. All right, amazing! That should get us to stop and think. Has anybody not given you what you deserve? Greg, have you ever cut anybody off on the interstate? Not intentionally. Not intentionally. <laughs> you know, but they didn't brave you in the back, did they? All right? Maybe because you have a bigger vehicle. Well, I don't know. But you know, and something you haven't gotten. You know, that should remind you of something. 
Justice from our own point of view. Justice from what we think is right. But we don't naturally give grace. Have you ever noticed that when your loved one has done something wrong, how unnatural it is to say, I forgive you? How unnatural it is to say, even though you didn't ask for it, I still get it? Grace. God calls us in grace. Where have you seen grace? How have you given grace? Where will you give grace? Those are all gospel acts that is necessary. And some may say, well, that sounds too good to be true that you would still love me. Even though, you may say, it does sound too good to be true, but I can still do it. It's only too good to be true if it's not true. But if it is true, it's allowed to be as good as it can be. God calls us in grace. But see, this is going to be part of the issue in the book of Galatians. The issue is, is what after grace? Grace in what? Is it grace in the law? Grace in the way of working out? Or is it grace in something else? There's debate among really smart people about what Paul talks about that angels in heaven proclaim the gospel. There was this idea in the Jewish way of being that the law, the tablets from Moses of the Ten Commandments came by angels down to Moses. And so angels were really important messengers. But he says, the gospel of God in grace is in Christ Jesus. That's the message that we have to, everybody, every gospel that is proclaimed has to do with, is it about Christ? Not just about God, not just about grace, as important as they are, but about Christ. Who is Christ? Grace in Christ. The grace of Christ. To add anything beyond this is not the gospel. Christ plus anything is not the gospel. Christ plus going to church is not the gospel. Christ plus a certain way of dressing is not the gospel. Christ plus a certain way of voting is not the gospel. Now, does that mean we don't come to church when you all are here? It's important. But if it becomes about that any other thing, we've missed the gospel. We've missed it. That's why the reformers, Calvin, Luther, Swingilly, and others, talked about Christ in Christ alone. Why do we go to church? Because of the grace that is in Christ. Because the gospel will transform us. Which means we will be different. Which means we will do things differently. And Paul says this. He says at the very end, the gospel transforms his identity. He says in verse 10, For am I trying to persuade God or man? I'm not going to tackle that today. Or seeking man's pleasure? If I was still pleasing man, I am not Christ's servant or Christ's slave. Paul had a change of identity which changed everything for him. And that is, he became a slave, a servant of Christ. And we, in, a, in our world, this is where we can get tripped up sometimes. Because we don't understand the culture of Paul. Slavery was not the horrific 
thing that they became known to be. It was awful in a lot of ways. But when you and I talk about slavery, we think of the worst of the worst of the worst. And we ought to. And I'm glad it's gone. Reality, it's not gone. We have just as many slaves today as we've ever had in the history of the world. And it's just as horrific. And it happens a lot in our own little neck of the woods. But what Paul was saying, when you became a slave to something, that person became responsible for you. And a good master would always take care of you where you would never want to leave them. And what he says is, I am now a slave of Christ. Because in Christ, the grace of Christ transforms what he said. And no wonder he's going to get to the point in Galatians here. But I'm going to spoil it. Because why not? You know, because I can. He's going to get to the point here in Galatians 3. Therefore, if you are in Christ, this grace in Christ that changes and transforms your identity, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. The confusion that was coming up with the Gentiles had to be more Jewish. He said, if you're in Christ, it doesn't matter what you have. It's in Christ. There's no Jew or Gentile. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter what the world will say you are. If you are in Christ, that is your identity. Are you living that out? Are you that servant in Christ? That bondservant, that slave of God? Because see, we've sung it today, have we not? Great is thy faithfulness. If you are in Christ, the graces God will sustain you. We have, he's promised good to us, we will say. It's not about good to us here on earth. It is about the fact he is beyond this world. He has, he has a plan that is greater than that. And if you are in Christ, it is going to be good. Even when everything around you says, absolutely not. It is a, a, a master who will lovingly sit down and say, bring me your questions, bring me your doubt, bring me your concerns, and my grace will sustain you. So where is your idea? Who are you slave to? We're all slave to something. Some of those are good things. But are you a slave to foremost to Christ? That's what he's getting at. Because that is the gospel. Paul's astonishment at the church of Galatia should let us reflect. Have I deserved? Have I turned back? Have I found my identity elsewhere? Am I seeking something in addition to Christ? Have I turned my back on the Spirit? For he will say, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then, but do not let yourself be burdened again by the chains of slavery. I say, keep in step with the Spirit, verse 5, chapter 5, 16. Walk by the Spirit. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Keep in step with the Spirit. All this astonishment to make us go, would I be part of that? 
Am I continuing on? I may have made a commitment one day. Anybody can mentally assent to who Christ is. Anybody can say I am something. You can identify however you want. Just because you say it doesn't mean it's true. Are you in Christ? Say, how do I know? Look at Galatians 5. There's two lists there. Which one is which one is your life? At the same time, maybe maybe you want, you, you just need it, you, you don't want to go that far yet. You just need the basis. Let me ask this: Are you a grace giver or a grace stealer in other lives? Are you a grace giver or a grace stealer? Are you sowing grace or are you sowing something else? Which one? But I'm confident of this. And I think Paul would say the same thing. When you make Christ central and you are led by the Spirit, one needs not worry. Am I in Christ? Well, then you will see the fruit. You will see the fruit. So I don't know where you may be. Some of you watching us maybe online for the first time. Maybe you're watching us live, or you're going to pick us up later. And you're listening. Maybe you need to come to Jesus. You got lots of questions, really. Jesus can handle them. Maybe you need to come for the first time. Maybe one of you here. You just want to. You want to say, "I'm going to submit my question. I'm not sure where that will lead me, but I'm willing to ask." Great. Maybe one of you. You you've known Jesus for a whole lot. Of time. You probably know them different. I mean, I'm a church brat. Mom, when was I in church first? Seven days or ten? Or less? Probably ten. What, what kept me out the first time? Never mind. That's a story for another day. Alright, I'm a church brat. Ten days. You can't get much. I mean, fourteen. If I was born on a Sunday, which I wasn't. You know, if I was born on a Sunday, and then 14 days later. You know, but I've been there since 10. All right, 10 days old. I'm turning a milestone that a lot of people think is, a milestone, is an awful thing this year. So that's a whole lot of days I've been a part of the church. Okay? A whole lot of days. Some of you got me beat double. Right, Joyce? Uh-huh. I can be part of the church for hundreds of years if the Lord will let me, but it doesn't mean I've submitted to Jesus. And maybe one of you are here with that. You've been a part of church. You know all the answers. You can quote the scripture frontwards and backwards and all these things. But if the Spirit doesn't have control of you, and if you're not giving grace to yourself and to others, I'm glad to not say, I'm not going to say you're not saved, but I'm going to say you need to check. By the fruit, Jesus says, you will know what a tree is. Before I go into another sermon, I'm just going to say that. Say this. Some of our fruit as Christians are, is rotten, and it stinks. And I wouldn't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. We need to reclaim the gospel. That is, God calls us in grace to be in Christ Jesus. Period. And we 
and we do that, we find freedom. And then he gives us by his grace the Holy Spirit, which should produce something different in us. There should be transformation. And if you are the same today as you were yesterday, man, you miss it. Scripture says only one person is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And that's Christ. And if that could be true of me, I've missed it. I've missed it. If that's true of you, no matter how old you are, you've missed it. You may get to heaven, but you've missed the work of the Spirit. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you for this book, this reminder of the gospel, that the gospel is you calling us in grace to be in Christ Jesus. And when we are in you, oh man, transformation happens. It happens in a, in, a, in a moment, but it also happens over the long haul. And I thank you for that. I thank you that you have not left us nor forsaken us to our own wishes. I thank you that you are still doing that good work in me. That you are still making me a new creation again and again and again. And that I can come to Christ and Christ alone. For my hope, and for my strength, and for everything I need to understand this word. So Lord, may I bring my questions and my doubts to you. May I bring, may I bring my joys to you. May I be a grace sower this day and every day. So that others will go, I'm not sure about that God. Man, there's something about him that's just a, just, I, I, I want to know more. And then all I say is, hey, let me tell you about God's story as seen through my life. And let me tell you who Jesus is. And that you are my Lord, my Savior, and I am happy to be your slave. I'm happy that you are my master because you are good. You are faithful. You are just. You are perfect. And that's what I want. Lord, we thank you for it. And we praise in the name of the Lord, the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We're going to sing this song, and it's a 